Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the club that ruined Christmas. Hello, Mark. Ruined it? I haven't even had it yet. <laughs> it's exactly, and it's already ruined. <laughs> but they're gonna they're they're gonna bring in the new year in style, aren't they, with an Edinburgh Derby win? Uh, I, I, I hope so. Um, I've got a feeling they will. <laughs> they will. Okay. Uh, to be fair, I, I, I let that have a, an awkward um, pause there deliberately. But for some reason, I, I might be with you on that feeling. Uh, there's there's not a lot to base it on, but it could be there all the same. Anyway, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson for this week's podcast. Uh, the final podcast before Christmas. We are recording this on the 23rd. So you should have it uh, available to listen to on Christmas Eve. And hopefully, hopefully, we can get some optimism going before the big game on Boxing Day. Uh, but before we get to optimism, we will talk about Hamilton Academical against Heart of Midlothian, the last Hearts game. We'll have a little assessment of that. We're going to have a little bit of a light-hearted section as we look at your favourite Hearts-related Christmas presents uh, we've got another episode of the Maroon Memories to go through, and we'll finish up by looking ahead to Hearts' next two matches. That's Hibs on Boxing Day and Aberdeen on the 29th. So first up, Hearts travelled to South Lanarkshire to the Fountain of Youth Stadium to face... Oh God, stupid names, aren't they? Um, to face Hamilton Ackies in a basement battle. Two teams level on points at the bottom of the table. So, uh, you know, cliched six-pointer. A um, few changes. Again, Daniel Stendel in his third game in charge made five changes, as he did against Celtic midweek. Uh, Sean Clare into the starting lineup after doing reasonably well off the bench in that midweek game. Glenn Whelan back in, A.D. White back in, Stephen Naismith returned for the first time in a couple of weeks, and Uche Ikpiezu also into the starting 11. A very fluid formation, a lot of debate about what the formation was, and a difficult one to keep tabs on, because certainly the midfield and the forward areas were interchanging quite a bit. 4-4-2 diamond, 4-1-3-2, 4-3-3. was certainly in goals, it was certainly a back four of Claire Halkett-Smith-Hickey, to begin with anyway. Uh, Whelan sitting a bit more, Demure, White, Naismith buzzing around in the middle of the park, Uche and McLean, the more obvious strikers. Um, what did you think when you saw the team, Mark? I was glad that Naismith was back. Yep. Um, <laughs> speaking of back and Naismith, we got 45 minutes out of him before Indeed. his supposed yep. back or, or whatever. But I, I think you see the Hamstring, difference. I he... think it might have been this time. but oh, Whatever. Um, but he, he, the difference that he makes, we're a very different side with him. Yeah. When he's at his, and he wasn't at his best, he's not match fit. But when I saw the team, I was, I don't know if you can be enthused. I don't know <laughs> if you can be confident anymore. It was something different. It's just like, it's, it's constantly rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic, isn't it? It was something a little bit different. Um, no Christoph Berra through suspension. So yep. Halkett and Smith at the back, um, uh, we could be saying here, this is what's annoying me. I, did, I didn't see the game because I was only able to hear audio commentary on uh, Hart's website. There was no live TV footage. I've seen the highlights. We could easily be sitting here 
we should have been two 0 up at half time. Yeah. And I don't think we would have lost the game. And it would have been a perfectly different, perfectly um, realistic thing to say that the complexion would have been totally different. A sitting here on the back of probably a victory, but we're not. We're now three points adrift at the bottom of the table. They know how to play. Yeah. When they're down there, we don't. And when we don't score, we struggle. Um, and and they find a way. We we we're not at that stage yet. They have experience about finding a way when they're trying to get points down there. We don't. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about the first half. So Hearts in their uh, third kit, the all-black kit for just the second time, started with a decent tempo. Um, they had about 65 to 70% possession in that first half, going by the stats that were coming up. Um, they dominated the ball. They were moving around reasonably well. And as I said, it was hard to keep tabs on the formation because there was a lot of fluidity, a lot of interchanging of positions, which was keeping... Um, Hamilton on their toes, uh, was giving Hearts a lot of options. Um, Naismith was buzzing around. A.D. White would go into the kind of centre of the park and then out wide. It, it was it was good to watch. You know, you could see a difference in how we were playing. You know, when Craig Levine was in charge, we saw the team change constantly, but there was very little different about the way we were playing. It was stale, it was low tempo, it was pedestrian. It was predictable. I would say that certainly wasn't the case in that first half. And you, you made a good point. We had a couple of really good chances. Uh, Stephen Naismith had that one. Um, a nice cushion header by Stephen McLean. It's maybe a tricky height for him. It's sort of kind of thigh height. And he's trying to get his, his foot around it. And it's slightly behind him. So he puts it over the bar. Craig Halkett hits the crossbar with the header. Uh, again, nice ball into the box. He's unlucky. Looks like he's just trying to float it over the goalkeeper. And he does that. But just... A couple of inches too high, and it's these fine margins um, that, that make a big difference, especially when you're low in confidence and you're struggling at the bottom. I mean, it just kind of summed up, I suppose, when um, the ball hit the bar and came out. Demure follows up, and one of the shots hits off a Hamilton player's face, and you that could easily go back behind him into the net, but it goes wide and goes back out to Uchi, who then hits it over the bar. And just before that, Jamie Hamilton, the, the Aki's teenage defender, inadvertently knocks it towards his own goal and it goes a couple of inches wide that time as well. It's just the breaks just weren't going for us. And um Naismith off at half time, I think had a big impact to to how we were playing. We just we didn't look quite the same in the second half. And then the goal just this is the problem. I mean it's a it's a lovely goal that just really well taken by Mikael Miller. Picks out the top corner, no chance for Joel Pereira. And it's this point I think where the heads go down and it kind of reverts to type again. You can see the confidence drains. Yeah. There's no real flow about our play because, and it's not just Hearts. You've seen, you know, you, you've you've been around the block a few times as as have I. We've seen it from teams time and time again when there's no confidence. If you don't get that first first, first goal, you, yeah. first goal is everything, isn't it? And I think from that point, you wanted to hope Hearts to come back into it, but you just felt the worst, and and that's when Hamilton started to, you know get the better of us. Up until that point, uh, you know, I think Hamilton couldn't have, as you mentioned, they couldn't really have felt unjustly, uh, um, they couldn't really have felt it would be unjustified if Hearts had ended up being too ahead, but we didn't take our chances, so it doesn't matter how much possession or how many times you get in the final third. Aki's took that chance really well. They got a second. Again, Mikael Miller did really well, to be fair, to get the ball into the box. And at that point, it's pretty much game over. I know Bazanich scores from a corner. 
McLean maybe could have forced one in towards the end, but it was it was mainly just the chaos factor that were throwing players forward. It, it, from the point of Hamlin scoring, it felt like what we've been watching for for quite some time, and it's a big concern now because Aki's hadn't won for eleven games before that. They'd had one win in seventeen. You know, one of the few teams in the world probably with a worse recent record than we have. But that now means that we've got one win in fourteen and. When someone puts it this way, we've got two wins in our last 26 league games. Two. That is unbelievable. That is over two-thirds of a season. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you dress it up, it's not good. And um, and if you project that to what to the end of a season, one more win? No, no. No, I'm not saying we will, but right now, the projection okay. of that isn't just a team to get relegated. It's a team to get relegated with an unprecedented low amount of points because even Dundee managed five wins last season. Teams have been relegated with nine wins and we had 10 wins in 2013-14 over the course of the season. It's it's very, very tough to look at that. I mean, that is quite incredible and it shouldn't be a surprise because we know it's been going this way for some time, but we're in a battle now. Yeah, we are, and it's something over the last couple of weeks since the results against St Johnston and Hamilton that it's maybe hit home. Because I'll I'll be honest, I mean, as as Hearts fans and as fans of a so-called bigger team in Scotland, you you don't really think about that. We thought about it when we went down because of the financial issues that we had. But this season, no, that well, it's funny. I was I was I say it's funny. It's funny what you say there. Uh, the AGM um, and what Ann Budge said about not really having considered relegation as far as um, for a financial planning uh, perspective is, is concerned. But she did say that maybe not all, but certainly the majority of the players do have a relegation clause in their contract. That's probably just standard. That's, that's I think, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably just standard. But that, it's, not when you, it's not until you hear that and, they, and they, you put it together with the results against St. Johnston. And the, the Hamilton one for me, it could easily have gone the the other way, but it didn't. So it hit home when you look at the league table because beforehand it was like, yeah, we're, we're not bottom because um, whether it's alphabetical or, or whether it's goal difference or, or whatever it is, there was there was always someone worse off than us. Now, no more. So it's hit home that we're not too good to go down. It's all right having good players or so-called good players, but if the good players don't fancy a fight, there's enough players at the bottom who aren't as good. It's the old... Hard work beating ability when ability doesn't work hard. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's, a, there's an element of snobbery as well about Scottish football fans, about the media, about teams like Hamilton and Ross County and St. Johnston to an extent, but but mainly, and, and Livingston. I, I'd put Livingston, Hamilton and Ross County, I'd group them all together because St. Johnston have achieved top six of, of late. Um, and Livingston are doing all right. They're probably harshly in that triumvirate. The top six but right think, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's an element of snobbery about from, from other clubs. Oh, it's Hamilton this week. Great, nice one. We'll get three points there. Well, wait a minute here. Will you? You've seen what they've done to other teams against Aberdeen at home, against Celtic and, and, and Rangers. Now, not necessarily of late when um, they've been scalped um, by Rangers, certainly, but... It's, <laughs> There is, there's no God-given right. Just because your name is Hearts or you've got all these caps or you get paid a decent four-figure sum a week 
we're now in, for a lot of these players, uncharted territory. I'm not sure how many of these players will still, I mean, certainly there'll be, there'll be a lot of movement, I would suggest, in January, to, to an extent. And there'll be, there'll be players coming in. Obviously, um, Stoke City are moving to Tyne Castle and we'll get all their players, according to the reports <laughs> from, from today, which is, is, I, I, I'm now even more baffled as to the, the guy who has two jobs gets fired from their both and is still around and still helps source new players and, and helps get rid of players who haven't achieved that he brought in, which uh, that is the most baffling thing I've, I've heard. But the, I just want to, I want to make the point today about snobbery and Hamilton Ackies. Brian Rice is a hundred percent right in his post-match interview. He was asked about the, the, the excellent goal that they scored. And he's like, I might even be on sports scene tonight. Here he plays, <laughs> mind you, but they might show it because it's only Hamilton. And he's got a point. He's got a point. This this snobbery about, oh, it's Hamilton this weekend. It should be. Yes, it's Hamilton this weekend. We'll, we'll be all right there. But if you're not prepared for a battle, you can be prepared to let them and watch them get all three points. Uh, always a jambo messaged um, after the game. Incidentally, you mentioned Livy. Uh, he said, "Could this guy be a possibility for Hearts?" Just thought I'd bring this one up. Lyndon Dykes, who scored a hat trick for Livingston at the weekend, nine goals in twenty games now for Livy since joining from Queen of the South. Only twenty-four. Is that the type of player that could could help Hearts if 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 he could make yeah. a move in the January transfer window? We're in no position to turn down any goal scorer. He got a hat-trick at the weekend. That was the first ever top-flight hat-trick by a Livingston player. Yep. The other thing I thought about with regards to this, and it's interesting that player has been brought up, I think we're now in a stage where rather than kind of looking elsewhere, Stoke City or, or whatever, I think we should be looking nearer home. And we should be looking nearer home for players who know what it's like to potentially be in a battle Fighters, young, hungry players that will get in and about, that will be able to play the style of football that Daniel, Daniel Stendhal wants. Yeah. But crucially, crucially, and here's the, here's the caveat to this. By doing so, Hearts, we, we can use Hearts and we can use Edinburgh, we can use Tynecastle, we can use our fan base as a positive. And I know it's tough to play in front of, of Hearts fans when things aren't going well at Tynecastle, understandably so, because there is an expectation level that... We should be doing better than, than what we're doing. However, we can use those four things to our advantage and we can weaken the <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> opposition and the teams around us by nabbing their best players, maybe for cheap, but not only do we strengthen us, none of this, oh, let's go down to League One or, or, or whatever. There might be a guy down there who, who, who'd be great for us, but th there's more value available up here and why not go for players at teams like Livingston and others who can do a job because they know what the Premier League battling is about or the Premiership or yeah, whatever it's called. Proven in the division that we're playing in because we've seen it before with 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 players that Celtic and Rangers have signed from arguably tougher divisions or from a higher level. They haven't been able to cut it in the in the in the Premiership or at the time maybe the Premier League in Scotland. So. Someone who's proven, and Lyndon Dykes, you'd think he'd be ideal because he's 
He's full of energy and he's very aggressive. He likes to get in the faces of opposition and that's exactly what Daniel Stendhal wants if he's going to press from the front. And it's funny, you look at these players and you might think, well, we'd have to maybe give Livingston a transfer fee, but you could say arguably, uh, I'm talking, you know, generalised figures here, nothing that I actually, you know, nothing solid, but, you know, you might have to get a player from England from the second or third tier and pay him five grand a week, but get him for free. But, but there's no guarantee he'd hit the ground running. No. You're spot, you're spot on. This is someone that, that can immediately, he signs on a Saturday, if there's a midweek game on the Wednesday, He's played in the Premier League. There's no settling in yeah. period required. And what I was going to say is the fact that he'd probably dictate maybe half of that. And again, I'm 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 guesstimating here because of the division he plays and the team he plays for. You, you can probably weigh it up and say, okay, over a two-year deal or whatever, paying the transfer fee and paying someone who's on, you know, a Livingston, with all due respect to them, but they'll have a pretty low wage bill. We could probably pay him twice what he's getting paid at Livingston, and pay a transfer fee and probably pay less than what we get to maybe pay the the wages of a loan signing from, from an English lower championship or League One team, just because yeah. when you weigh up the finances. So I think it makes sense. And and right now, you know, fair enough, you might find a player from England, they could hit the ground running, but there's a chance they would need a bedding in period at least. We can't really afford that, to, to no, be honest. We no. need, we we need could, players. We could be down by that. Yeah. So interesting one. Um, May, t- May 2022, by the way, uh, he signed a new um, contract, a okay, new three-year okay. deal. In, well, just under three-year deal in September. So there would be a transfer fee involved. Of course, yeah. But we paid a transfer fee for Craig Whiten. So if there's money <laughs> to, to spend, I'd rather spend it wisely. And if it means... Because the other thing is, you could spend that money on one player downside just on wages, mm-hmm. or you could probably get a transfer fee and wages for the same amount yeah. to bring in someone like Lyndon Dykes. Uh, we got an email from Kelman Chambers who uh, mentions, he says, Mark's comments about patience and Daniel Stendhal's comments about the fans struck a chord. Uh, as far back as the Catholic experiment, some supporters couldn't wait to get on players' backs. I don't get to many games due to living in Spain, but the games I do get to follow a similar path. The first misplaced pass or miscontrol in the crowd are on at the players. From then on, the players play safe, backwards and sideways to avoid the wrath of the crowd. I appreciate that the players have to accept criticism, but when it's constant and sometimes unmerited, it is completely counterproductive. Maybe it's time some of the fans had a look in the mirror and realised that being a supporter means being supportive rather than constantly critical. Kelman. Um, I, I think this maybe applies more to Tynecastle because I'd have to say at the weekend, Hearts travelled in pretty decent numbers. Yeah, that's a Tynecastle comment. Pretty decent numbers to Hamilton. Yeah, no, and it, and it, it is fair. I think we've had, you know, the Celtic game, we saw the fans get right behind the team and at the weekend, away to Aki's, there was a good noise and um, they did show their support. You know, I can't really criticise the fans, I don't think, in that away game. But I, I certainly can I can see where Kelman's coming from in, in certain home games at Tynecastle. And it's interesting, you know, we mentioned last week Jimmy saying that he's very, yep. it's the booing he doesn't like, especially. He, he really gets, <laughs> he gets him riled up when we're doing commentary and people start booing players because he says he's been there and from a fan's point of view, they want their team to do better and do well. And he says it 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 brings out the complete opposite reaction because players feel worse and feel more pressurised uh, and make more mistakes and want to hide even more to avoid that. So he said he's he's had a go at fans before when he was on the pitch saying, what, what do you expect to get out of this? That's what the pub's for. That's what Twitter's for. But this isn't you. This isn't you. I used to sit in my season ticket seat in section D of the Wheatfield and 
Uh, people would moan. I, I would moan about Hagen. Yeah, I've uh, booed. Moan... Of course, booed is booed's an interesting one because I I, I'd be lying if I said I can remember doing it. Um, you'd 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 have a go about someone to someone around you, and it was it was a little bit easier to do back in the day when you used to stand in the shed or, yeah. or whatever you used to because. I don't agree with the whole booing aspect. I don't, unless it, unless it's is really really bad and it's it's obvious that there's there's no there's no positive outcome that can be attained from that. I, I realise. I mean, I would say I've done it before at half time and at full time in certain games when I've, I've full time's okay when I felt because like you, yeah, yeah. half time's okay as well because I, I don't think I've done it. I don't think I've done it during. No, and that, game, that's an interesting but... point. Half time and full time, I think is. It's perfectly fair. I think you're fair game. If you've produced a pile of utter pish for 45 <laughs> minutes, what are we going to do? I'm not going to applaud you off. We're going to stand in silence. No, we're going to basically, uh, we're going to use our our ability as a paying customer to say we've paid for better than this. I don't agree with it booing your own players during a game while it's in progress, as far as when the action is is ongoing. Half-time and full-time, I think that's fair game. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Well, I guess that's why maybe the Derby being up next. Now, we, I'm not, I'm not going to get into looking at the game right now because we will get to that. But um, it's a game where maybe um, it's what the team needs because the atmosphere will take care of itself because it's an Edinburgh Derby. I think the next two games are, Laurie. I think yeah. the next two games, there was always something different about festive attendances they were usually a little bit bigger um but there was just a different atmosphere everyone's mm-hmm. probably still pished everyone's desperate <laughs> to get out of the house because they've received shite socks from grandparents and you don't want to talk to your family because you don't really like them anymore and they're just boring or whatever you just want to get out of the house you want to get to the pub with your pals you want to go and watch the football so festive games are a little bit different there's a bit more an element of spice about them just yeah and 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 hibs it's a festive derby nothing better than a festive derby. A festive derby is the one you look for. So is there a New Year game? No. Is there one close by? Yes. Perfect. And I don't think the Aberdeen game is a bad one either because it's not a game that we'll be expected to have most of the ball. We'll be expected to make the play. They'll feel like they can come to Tyne Castle like they did to Celtic and, and have a go there. Celtic were able to beat them. They'll not be frightened to come into Tyne Castle. So I think these next two games, and my track record of predicting what's a great game for Hearts is, is phenomenal. I thought St. Johnson was the perfect game for Daniel Stendhal to have his first game in charge, and obviously look what happened there. But I think these two, they, they, you don't really need um, too much of a build-up for these. If the players don't see what's at stake and can't feed off what should be a, a spicy atmosphere, then we, we can be rest assured that the problems are a lot bigger than we first thought. In regards to problems, I saw one tweet which I find quite interesting. Um, it was just today I saw uh, Ian Horsborough tweeted, Since August, Hearts have had to sub a player off injured in 15 of their 19 league matches, a large majority in the first half. Um, wow. I, I've not gone back and checked every game and verified it. I, I assume it's... Oh, if it's on Twitter, it must be true. Or, or as close to, you know, to be honest, when you think about it, it's probably not far off if he if he has counted it. So I'm not saying that this is, is gospel, but if that is accurate, then that is quite a damning statistic. And we still don't know why. And we don't know why with a lot of them, which is the, 
the big frustration. And I, I feel maybe Daniel Stendhal um, is getting frustrated with it because we've, we've heard him in interviews in the press saying he doesn't even know when a lot of players are due to come back. So um, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but I imagine he's kind of very seriously looking at the, I guess, the, the situation with the, the Hearts players, the ones especially who are out injured or who've got recurring injuries. Uh, but let's hope we get a few of them back for that big game against Hibs. We'll turn to something a little more light-hearted for the next maybe five, ten minutes or so. Uh, last week, we put out the question, the homework for you, uh, on the subject of your favourite hearts-related Christmas presents, or, or football-related, if you if you wanted to add that in there. And we've got a few responses on this, and Richard Cobb just replied with a photo of the Hearts Lego 1998 Scottish Cup winners bus. Uh, oh, that was re- released not too long ago. Yeah, my mum got me that for Christmas. I haven't, um, I haven't opened it yet. It was very expensive, I believe. It wasn't uh, even yeah. Lego. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even one. Well, you apart, can... apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, yeah, nice um, memento. Yeah, I, that was that's one of the highlights of my journalistic career, and I've done all right. Um, but being on the bus as a Hearts fan in '98. The real Whatever one. indebted to, yeah, the real, and burst that Christ's sake, imagine is, me on that leg. Is there a the, Lego, the Lego, a Lego mark? <laughs> we have a huge melon-like sniper's dream of a head. Um, no, I, I, got, I don't have regrets. You've I don't got do, a bit I don't of a Lego do, head. Full Lego, remember, it wasn't even Lego, and they still charge Lego prices. Um I'm just imagining a, a Lego mark now because you've you've got a kind of perfect Lego head, I think. So you could that could oh, be Jesus. that could be we, maybe they could produce that for for next Christmas. No, the, no, the, no, the no, Lego no, donkey. Don't don't be silly. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I've I've just bought my daughter a Lego Olaf and Sven and Elsa and Anna from uh-huh. from Frozen. Um, love that movie. Anyway, it's a good um, film actually. Good film. Speaking of, of not having regrets, some people might. I, I don't. I've got things I wish I'd done maybe a little bit differently or whatever, but hopefully I've learned from them. One was to, to only take one um, one spool with me in 98 on the bus uh, uh, for, for photos. Spool. Um, I know, <laughs> Jesus. There's people people listening under the age of 25 going, a spool? What's a spool? <laughs> and then there's the nervous wait when you go to the chemist. Oh, God. And then you get... You you pay six ninety five, and then you get a really thin packet or envelope back because you've let a little bit of light through the shutter or whatever, and your your photos haven't developed properly. Oh my god! Hey, when when I started, and you, I know you heard that squeaky balls hadn't dropped first commentary <laughs> report of Clydeback Dunfermline um, a few weeks ago. When, when I started in radio in 93 and work experience, we used to edit with a razor blade. Can you imagine health and safety now? It was the reel-to-reel tapes, and you used to edit with a razor blade. It's funny because I was listening to the boys from Perth to Paisley, their podcast. It was, mm-hmm. it was entertaining, so, so well done to them. Um, that sounded really insincere, didn't it? It's not meant to be insincere. I need to work on my tone. Well, it was a, it was a, it did, was a good listen. They did call us the basically the old boys. Well, that's what I was about to say. I listened <laughs> to them and, and they were they were like, yeah, yeah. When I was born, we be, we we beat Gretna in the cup final. It wasn't like that, but they're they're a bit younger. And they, 
they they can obviously bring different aspects to to a younger audience that maybe we can't because we we're a little bit older. So I, I, there's no competition. <laughs> yeah, there's no competition whatsoever. There's plenty of room in the market for as many hearts podcasts as you would like because. Um, I'm more than happy to drive to and from work with a, another Hearts podcast to, to, to listen to. And needless to say, our views and their views on the Hamilton game, and they're coming from the heart, excuse the pun, as supporters, it's not much difference. So um, good luck to, to them going forward and look forward to seeing them on, on iTunes. Um, so, yeah, uh, Christmas presents. What about calendars, by the way? Hearts calendars. Well, I'll go through, I'll go through some of the, because we've, we've got a few responses. Um, football, football days with a salopian jambo says, uh, the hearts, what? the hearts, I, I don't know, um, the hearts home shirt with Michael Smith's name on the back, failing that this year's shoot annual. Ha ha. Um, do you know, I always wanted, and I don't even think I ever actually, did I ever get it? Was that, it seems, again, Youngsters would be like, why would you need that? I love the stadium book. You know, this Scottish football stadium book, which had all the pictures and all the names, the stands names and all the and all the capacities. I loved that. One thing that's missing, and it's similar to what you've just said, and it was sad when it was it was um, it was published for the final time. Uh, it went through various sponsorship deals, but there was the Clydesdale Bank Scottish Football League review book. I don't know if uh, that, I ever. Where, 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 yeah, where maybe uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, before my time. A five size, maybe about A five. Just it was like the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, the Scottish football Bible, and I just I always went through the players and, and the ages of um, of the players and the kind of date of birth, and then it, it wasn't until you kind of got in your mid or early to mid-30s, and you're seeing players that are coming through, and they're like, wait a minute, I'm 10 years older than him. But this, the first one I remember, uh, kind of probably 84, 85, and it had like players that were born in the 50s. Hearts had a goalkeeper in the 80s, uh, backup goalkeeper called Murray McDermott, uh, and I think he was born in like 55 or something like that. Now, imagine that book existed now. You'd have players who... Their, their their date of birth starts 2000 and something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's have a look through. George Hobb says, um, new hearts top from Thompson's before official yes. replicas. Yes, Road. Had to, he says, had to, had to get weight out of it because um, by early New Year, I was the only jambo cutting about leaf links in a maroon and pink hearts top, thanks to mum and her magic twin tub. Um, he says it's first Christmas without her. So sorry to hear that, George. Uh, hopefully, maybe you've got a, a maroon and pink hearts top to, to wear in her honour. Uh, but Thompson's, yeah, so, so where was that? Because, again, I think that's before my time. Well, there was, there was one, I don't know if it was Thompson's, there was a sports shop on Gorgie Road. So if you come out the away end at the TSB, if it's still a TSB, I, I assume it is. Remember where the, the old wooden mm-hmm. uh, Heart of Midlothian Football Club board used yeah, to be? Yeah, But the, there's the great photo, uh, not the photo, there's the great artwork. Oh, the old, yeah, I know, I know which one yeah. you mean, yeah. So if you come out of there and then you turn right along Gorgie Road, before you get to the bridge, on the right-hand side, same side of the road as you would be on if you turned right, there was a sports shop in there. I think that might have I think it might have been Thompson's. If it wasn't, then obviously Thompson's is a different one. Um, but that was like the the sports shop I remember. That was I passed Thompson's in the walk from my first ever game. We parked. What's the name of the 
the, the, the street, you come down Robbie Ave, you come down Robertson Avenue and on, it's the right-hand side. I don't know if it's one of the Millen streets. Uh, no, it's Wardlaw. Is it Wardlaw Street? We used to I, park there. I used to stay on Wardlaw Place. Um, is which is the one with our bookies on the corner at the bottom. It's right. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't narrow it down. Yeah, Jesus but on that si- on that side of the street, there's only there's the, there's only one bookies on the corner on that side of of Gorgie Road. You've got it's a Ladbrokes, I think it is, um, and opposite is the co-op now. Yeah, yeah. So, so we that's Wardlaw Place. I, th- I used to stay there. Yeah, there you go. So that's I actually got dropped off at the end of Wardlaw Place, not the Gorgie Road end, but the other end, uh-huh. and Wardlaw Terrace. Um, that was where I got dropped off and my dad and I went to the first, my mum dropped us off and that's when we, on the 19th of October, 1985 against St Mirren and a lot of you kids probably weren't even born. <laughs> um, but we walked down Wardlaw Place and I believe at the bottom of Wardlaw Place, around that area of Gorgie Road, there was a sports shop. It might have been Thompson's. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember that going, going back. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Alan Manthorpe says christmas 2002 my mum bought me tickets in the willie bald suite for the new year derby didn't uh, seem like a great present when hibbs took a tuna lead and then a 4-2 lead graham weir's heroics though were unbelievable of course the the big 4-4 game i actually wrote a piece in the program for i think aberdeen about the 4-4 game being the the best game that i never saw because Scott oh, Rail. yeah, I remember he told me about this, Scott, yeah, the Aberdeen. Yeah, Scott Rail very handily cancelled the only service that would have got us there in time well, to you watch that game. Well, you would have, if you got the one that would have got you there for the end of the year. time. Yeah, you would have seen the drama. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was a weird game. It was a weird game. By the way, I'm looking forward to our Maroon memories. I won't give too much away. I've, since you sent it to me, I watched the game or the highlights yeah. back. And there's just something about um, festive derbies. I'm actually, and I know it's been miserable of late. I'm really looking forward to to Thursday and to the boxing game, and the fact that it's at Tyne Castle because I think we've have we not had two or three of them at Easter Road in recent years, um, or is my mind playing tricks on me? I'm just glad it's at Tyne Castle this year. Um, recent ones. Um, try to think. We we had the Ollie Lee one last year. That was wasn't box it was late in the year that was just before we got to Hogmanay. That was at Easter Road. That wasn't was it? Easter Road. Um, I've, I've got them here. So Tyne Castle was we had was a, 2017. Uh but a nil nil game the, the year before but it was twenty seventh um okay. two thousand fourteen was Easter Road when uh, when Gary Locke was in charge that we lost two uh, one. Okay. Yep, yep. Um yeah so it's been it's just nice to be at home at Tyne Castle um, this is the best fixture. I don't care what anybody says. So despite the fact we've been shite of late, um, that that is that's a real good fixture to look forward to over the next couple of days. We'll get to that game very shortly. Let's just go through a few more of your Christmas presents. Um, LW, who's a Mrs. Miko1874 on Twitter, says, I think over Christmas, uh, Christmases and birthdays for the past 30 years, I've had every kind of Hearts merchandise possible, from <laughs> jewellery to watches, strips to scarves, bed covers to curtains, fudge to rock, ducks to koala bears that stuck on the window. Koala bears, that's a... Koala bears? Who, who came up with that at the old Pike Castle and the, no, the, the retail department? <laughs> got the, I've got this idea. How about a Hearts koala? 
Unless it's unless it was a Ryan McGowan esque, oh yeah, okay, to do okay, with, yeah. with the Aussies, that that would that would work. Okay. Um, but apart from, if we don't have any Aussies, that would be the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. Would you rather have a koala bear or Oli Bazanich in midfield? Um, a koala bear, despite <laughs> the fact that it sleeps twenty one hours a day, is probably still more alert. And I, I think a koala bear would have a, a possibility of passing it forward at time to time too. Oh. Uh, let's hope Oli Bazanich has a great game in the derby, and we can go back to we can go back on what we've just said. Um, Robo Santa Punk says a well-bound book of sports news clippings going back decades, um, all Scottish football, mostly Hearts-related stuff from an ex-girlfriend. That's that's quite a that's quite a nice, nice individual, unique thing put together. It uh, is. I, I started. What season was it? It was a good season. Uh, can't remember those. Jesus, I wondered if your maroon memories today would be the recent five-two game against St. Mirren. I say recent; <laughs> so, it feels like it was an eternity ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was ninety-eight, and I'd started doing um, cutouts like newspaper match report. I yeah. started to to keep them, and I stopped about September. I wish I'd kept it going. Uh, that that would have been pretty cool. Um, but I, I've also got this vision having. You were t- telling about who that was from. I've got this vision of of John Robertson in a Santa outfit with his hair all bedraggled as a kind of Santa punk robo. <laughs> yeah, my mind works in v- mysterious ways. A very interesting Twitter name. Um, Andrew Brown on Twitter says, "As a kid, getting a strip which was only uh, once or twice was brilliant. As I got older, watching my hero the Hammer of Hibs score on the New Year's Day derby. These are his favourite Christmas presents. Uh, nowadays, I would just take three points." I think we all would take three points in the derby and exchange any gifts we might be due to get. Um, Fox Oscar says, used to love a hearts calendar. Or Sabutio <laughs> team. He says he got jambo bed sheets and a beach towel one year too, but his favourite has to be the silver 86 kit. Yeah. Which is a very popular one. Yeah. yeah. It's the connotations and, and obviously wearing it at Hamden in the Aberdeen game. Um, I think we wore it Dens as well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Cause we, did we? We must have done. Because they had dark blue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, might have won the league and might have won the cup, but we didn't. Just just a classic strip, though, wasn't it? I I don't know what the next strip's going to be or look like, but I like the, the championship jersey. I think it was just classic. The Adidas collar, no sponsor. Just there, There's an element of... It's it's so out of date. It's now back in fashion, especially <laughs> with football. The retro stuff. You look at some of the the the, the bigger clubs who've got the bigger um, superstores or whatever. Newcastle certainly do this, and I'm sure uh, whether it's a sports direct thing or, or whatever, there's a, a a company. It might be to do with sports direct that that do old style replica jerseys, um, just minus the 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 sponsor or the not the sponsor. Sorry, the 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 make of of, of of the strip, mm-hmm. um, I'm 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 sure. Can we do that at Tyne Castle? Do they have old style? I think they do, don't they? Old style yeah. jerseys, just yeah. not they obviously have... made by Umbro or or yeah, or they, they have sometimes. I, I haven't I haven't really had a close look at everything that's in the shop, but they they have certainly in recent years. You get some of the older styles. They did like the the kind of I want to say seventies style one recently with the old kind of old fashioned collar. Yeah, you certainly do. You you certainly have been able to get them in recent times. 
Quick uh, couple more. Um, Odd Shape Balls and Uche's No Gonna Get You both asked with three points as well. And finally, Anne Waddle says um, her uh, boyfriend uh, Ian and I uh, were given a brick from the old stand after it was demolished. Pride of place in the living room. And Ian also won the Hearts taxi game from us last year. And uh, said she was delighted to, to meet me when I delivered it. I was, I was a relative Santa Claus last year. Even <laughs> hearts obviously grind me down too much. There's no giving of gifts this time around. Uh, but Anne also says, hope you both have a great time and Santa is good to Ava Grace. Oh, thank you. Is is Santa going to be good to Ava Grace? She she getting a hearts? Is she getting a hearts kit? No. No. no Something better, <laughs> probably. If it's not frozen, she doesn't care. And okay. I'm not talking about like the frozen stuff it's, that yeah. we get from 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 the Scottish baker in New Jersey. Um, there was a fresh delivery recently which came of haggis puffs and sausage rolls and scotch pies. Mm. And you wonder why I'm the size I am. <laughs> no comment. I've just found that this it's time for a tangent. We're too, too, too far today down the road without a tangent. Here's a, this is weird. And I need mm-hmm. to check if it's true, but, but this, this is weird. Okay. What do Ian Cathro's two Edinburgh Derby fixtures have in common that will never, ever happen again? Um, I'm not sure. Tell me. The attendance at Tynecastle for the (laughs) nil-nil and the attendance at Easter Road for the replay were exactly the same. Oh, 16,971. What are the chances of that? Who cares? But I found that, and I think that's incredible, that the two games in the space of 10 days, I think the second one was the one that I watched on Periscope, was it not? Was there not like some sort of Champions League TV live game ban? There was, I think. I think that was a Periscope game where some boy's arms probably fallen off because he had to hold up the camera to the game. 16,971. So he only took charge, Ian Cathro, of two derbies, didn't win one, but the attendance was exactly the same for them both. Uh, wow. I hate... Where are you seeing you know? that? Uh, London Hearts. Uh, Is it a typo? Are you sure? Mm, it's right in front of me. Put my glasses on. When I'm on London Hearts, Sunday the 12th of February, the first one. Yes. Nil yes. nil. It says 16,971. Yes. When I click the next one, it says 20,205. Uh, well, so it must be a typo because um, if you go into the miscellaneous all Hibs results, okay, they've um, obviously put the same attendance in twice. Oh, well. <laughs> you know what? It's a great tangent, this. That was utter shite. The BBC confirms 20,205. I've been so. flummoxed. <laughs> I've been, been flummoxed <laughs> by a typo on London. It's the only thing they've ever got wrong. And I've just <laughs> totally screwed up the last two minutes of this podcast by what was an incredible fact. It's now a waste of time. The, the, the best... The, oh, the best bit of Derby trivia that Never was. Exist. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Can we change it? Can we can we pretend it happened so that it's pertinent? Oh, that's upset me now. Oh. Okay. Well, to cheer Mark up, let's 
head into uh, this um, episode of Maroon Memories. Ah. And it's pertinent, it's uh, topical, because we're talking about a Boxing Day derby, a Boxing Day game in 2006. Christmas dinners had barely been digested, festive hangovers yet to be shaken off, or indeed maybe just getting topped up. It was time for the Edinburgh Derby as Tynecastle hosted a huge capital clash. Uh, just a point separated the two sides, with Valdas Ivanouskis's heart in fourth and John Collins' hibs in fifth. The two sides had met a month prior at Easter Road in the League Cup, a game which Edward <laughs> Malafiv took over. Oh, gives me the shivers. Um, he'd taken charge of that game in the absence of Ivanouskis, who'd been off on leave. Um, Hibbs dominated that game, with Hearts failing to even register a single shot on goal. So the Jambos were keen to make amends for that evening, while the Hybies were hoping to leapfrog their city rivals in the table. Um, Hearts started with a 4-4-2 formation, seven changes from the side that had defeated Dundee United at Tanadice three days earlier. So, captain Craig Gordon in goals. Hmm. Might see him again. Um, Neregis Barassa at right back. Oh God, is another shiver. Uh, Marius Zaliukis and Christoph Berra in the centre. Jose Goncalves at left back. Uh, Saul Michalunas on the right of midfield. Neil McCann on the left in his second swell at the club. In the centre, it was Julian Brelier alongside Paul Hartley. And in attack, Edgaris Jankowskis and Roman Bednar. The bench was Steve Banks, Bruno Aguiar, Mikael Pospisil, Lee Wallace, Christos Karapidis, Andreas Vilichka and Andy Driver. The Hibs team, I'm not going to go through it all, but it contained the likes of Hearts legend Zibi Malkowski, giant <laughs> defender Rob Jones, who scored the only goal in the aforementioned League Cup win, a 21-year-old Scott Brown, and a certain Michael Stewart who started the game. Cold winter's afternoon, but hearts were red-hot at the start as the match began with a terrific tempo. So less than two minutes in, Roman Bednar latched onto a Jankowskis flick, fired the ball into the six-yard box, and who was waiting? Well, let's just have a quick listen back. Well, here's through that. They might do straight away because it's come across to Hartley! Paul Hartley! With less than two minutes on the clock, he always scores against his former club, Hibs, and he hasn't hung around here. He's got them in his sights again. Of course, it was against Hibs, so of course, it was Paul Hartley who arrived to open the scoring and made it eight goals in eight games against Hibs at that point. What a player. 149 competitive appearances for Hearts, 38 goals, You know, a free transfer from Johnston. He'd only recently been changed to a central midfielder from a winger at that point, 26 when he signed. And he really ended up loving these Edinburgh derbies for someone who actually previously played for Hibs. Time out. Yes. Do you know why? Why? Because the goal should not have stood. I know. Offside, I watched it, now. I watched it again. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, and I paused it, and... Uh, and uh, then I was offside from Jankowskis' flick, which brings me to the, if you could have VAR, <laughs> would that benefit Hearts in the biggest games over the years? Or, <sighs> I, I, don't have an, I don't have an answer to this. It's just, it's, it's an interesting one. If VAR was in charge, or VAR was in use there, sorry, 
hypothetically, of course, a goal from Paul Hartley would have been chalked off because Roman Bednar was definitely, his foot was definitely offside and, and would have been penalised. shouldn't really need a VAR, to be fair. The assistant was in a <laughs> really, right in really good position. I, I, never, I never thought about this before until, until I came up with the, call, the whole if, if VAR had been in, in there, we, we wouldn't have scored that first goal and it would have been maybe different. But just looking back, were there any... This, I'm not talking about just normal game. I'm talking about like cup finals or deciders or big big games that we've played. Would there have there must have been games at Parkhead and Ibrox? There must have been. We never got any. They, it's funny they talk about how there's an agenda against oh, Celtic or gosh, Rangers from referees. Give me a break. I know. If you were ever at Ibrox or Parkhead in the certainly for me for the eighties and nineties, but for people older than us and the even before then, oh, unless the boy's leg was amputated, it's no free kick. So I, I'm just thinking if there's any, I can maybe be homework. And I know we're off on a, a brief tangent, and we'll get back to that in a second, but because the last tangent was so successful about <laughs> about 10 minutes ago, I need one that isn't as bad. So there you go. Can it's you it's remember, definitely not as bad. No. Uh, this, is, this is a good one. If VAR was in use in previous years, going back as long as you want, what is the one game that you remember that it would definitely have played a part in changing the outcome, Well, for both for and against Hart? <laughs> I'll tell you a certain one, which is what is why I'd immediately not want to go well, through. There must detail. be an obvious one that I've missed. What, what is it? Nineteen ninety-eight. That's not a penalty. Oh, and by the way, McCoy's could have <laughs> had one inside the box. That, oh, Jesus. So that immediately to me be like, oh no, <laughs> let's not go uh, back. Uh, can, can we be hypocrites and pick and choose which ones? We're... So there, there you go. Get get in touch. So stuff like that. Games that would have gone in our favour had we had VAR, but games that would have gone against us. And you know how we've spoken before about the St Johnston replay um, at McDermott Park in the Scottish Cup that ultimately we got through and, and led yeah. to us winning the cup against him. Was that a penalty? No. There you go. It wasn't a penalty in the final either, although I don't think it would have affected the result because it was a red card. But the foul that... Um... Kujabi commits on Suso is definitely outside the box. Yeah, it's outside. Um, oh Christ, that's a definitely. Great... Let's not get VAR. We don't have <laughs> VAR. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great shout. It's a great shout about 98 because you're, you're, you're spot on. Um, there must be one that would have gone in our favour. Um, well, well, I mean, here's, the here's big one, one, here's the big one, one, for, you. Celtic, here's one for you. Celtic at Tynecastle. Takis Fisas. Yeah, when we're 2-1 yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It could have been a whole different because if we'd, if we'd won that, what we would have been up point behind them would we but we ended up seven behind them because we lost it yeah they beat us 3-2 didn't they yep um, yeah. yeah that the attack is the screw up um, at the end oh uh, here's one for you who was the player was that a Celtic player or a Rangers but the the dive Kiriakos are you thinking of Tynecastle when no, there's two there's, there's two who, it's a Celtic striker and, and Kiriakos and the whole Andy Davis, Mikko Linus thing. Yeah, yeah. But was it not... Who, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Oh, my God, this is going to annoy me now. Um, there was absolutely no contact. Was it a Celtic striker? Blonde-haired lad. Oh, there was the one recently, but I mean... Shit, what's his name? What's his name? Um, it was the ah, Swedish... Swedish yes, Swedish Gadetti. Yeah. John Gadetti. There you go. Brad Mackay challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yes! How is that? That's just ridiculous. So we, we're, we're slowly... And at that, 
that isn't like a, a pertinent massive massive game, but it's certainly one that, that helps balance up because the, the first few we came up with there were uh, yeah we're, we're certainly going against just right anyway we're okay. one nil up and right, the bar yeah. wasn't in there and, and Hartley <laughs> scored and Bedar was offside but who cares so what we're, happened after one nil okay it was a fiercely competitive match actually it was shown by the fact yeah, that both was. sides had two yellow cards each in the first half alone but we didn't get another goal until after the break and this is where um, Zibi Malkowski really seals that legendary status around Tynecastle forty eighth minute. Um, so less than three minutes in the second half, Hartley got a free kick. It's about 30 yards out. And it's actually a terrible free kick from Hartley. He's basically passing the ball to, to Malkowski. And I remember at the time, you can even feel the reaction in, in the stands when you watch the replay back. Everyone's already gone, oh, well, that was poor. Keeper's, keeper's going to smother that. And he looks like he's just... It's one where he barely needs to dive on it. But even the goalkeeper dives anyway, so he lets it come into his arms and holds on to it for a moment. And he does that. But then he just rolls the ball away, spills it somehow, <laughs> and Edgaris Jankowskis is on hand to tap in from about two yards. Um, and we'll listen back to that just now. It is Hartley, and Malkowski's lost it, and Hartz go two up. Jankowskis making the most of another dreadful error from Malkowski yet again. It was actually Jankowskis' first and last of the season for Hearts, his last goal for Hearts, and his first since the previous Zippy Malkowski howler in the semi-final at Hamden in April. Hibbs just had that run, that was in the middle of a run of just awful, awful goalkeepers, and it was almost, it it felt like every second derby someone would be throwing one in. I think Andy McNeil had a howler later that season, giving Andy Driver a goal. You had uh, Eves McAlambie around that time who had a couple of howlers. It, it was just constant at that time, and it was it was glorious because the, the kind of apprehension, the nervousness of Hibs fans when there was ever any test of the goalkeeper was always so apparent, and Hearts fans obviously just egged it on and, and kind of tried to really, I guess, put the keeper under as much pressure as possible. I remember Hibs used to have good goalkeepers in the 80s and um, early 90s, starting early 90s. I mean, Alan Ruff wasn't a bad goalkeeper, uh, but Jim Layton was, was decent there and Andy Gorham was, was the, the best of the lot. And my my God, have they had some shockers since. Mac, Macalamity. Yeah. Um, just Zibby. Zibby was the best. The, the best Hibs goalkeeper that Hearts fans have ever seen. Zibby, Zibby, give us a wave. Um, oh, Jesus. So 2-0, but the game was far from over. 55 minutes, Dean Shields floats a corner into the box, and in front of the Hibs fans in the Roseburn end, New Zealand international striker Chris Killen powers a home header. They need one back. Shields takes it. And Killen has got one back. Chris Killen claiming it. And John Collins' side have scored in a cracking Edinburgh derby. 61 minutes, Dean Shields gets into the Hearts box and a slight touch from Barassa sends him down. Looked soft, but penalty given. And upstepped Shields to take it. He scored with a well-taken penalty, but then it all kicked off. It sounded a bit like this. 60 minutes played, cometh the hour. Will it be 2-2? 
It's Dean Shields. It's in. It's incredible. Oh, and there's afters. Shields goes in on Craig Gordon, and it's all kicking off now. It is all kicking off big time. Oh, Mike McCurry. I think he's off. I have to say. I think he is. Oh, it's a record, yes. And Dean Shields having just equalised in the penalty spot, and he wants to have a go at Craig Gordon here now. They've got to get him off. He's just made it 2-2, and then was sent off for barging into Gordon. So this is one of these bizarre derby moments, this. It's 2-2, but Dean Shields, after scoring, as players, not not necessarily when equalised, but usually when they get a goal back, they've been behind run to get the ball out the net so Dean Shields sprints towards the Hearts net he's in front of the Roseburn stand as well so it's all Hibs fans there celebrating and he Craig Gordon gets up and <laughs> Craig Gordon definitely makes sure he doesn't get out of Dean Shields way but Dean Shields is no excuse <laughs> for this he as he arrives he doesn't slow down at all he doesn't try and get the way he actually puts his hands up connects with Gordon around the sort of upper body towards face area clashes at him sends him tumbling to the ground into the net, and then it's one of these wonderful things in football, which is a melee inside the six-yard box, inside the net, so everyone's yeah, getting... That's the, that's the one, inside the net. Everyone's the getting one. caught up in the net. I remember this happening <laughs> at... I remember this happening at a game I commentated on at McDermott Park, and the season we went down, and there was two red cards after it, and Ryan Stevenson ended up with a St. Johnson goalkeeper in the neck, and it was, it was, oh, it was glorious. But this one ends in a melee, so all the players involved, the referees desperately trying to split people up, and... And after all, he consults with the assistant and Dean Shields is red card. And to be fair, he, he does have a go at Craig Gordon, but he doesn't complain an awful lot. I think he knows what's coming. Um, and I remember it was a bizarre feeling when the game was about to be restarted because usually, you know, at, at that moment, what should happen is it should be the Hearts fans kind of a bit shell-shocked and quiet and Hibs fans get roaring behind their side because they've drawn level and you know they had the upper hand at that point. But because of the red card, the Hearts fans had kind of got a boost, like, oh, we're against 10 men, so we can go on and win this. But Hibs had got the boost to the leveller, so the, the atmosphere got really cracked up everywhere because everyone had adrenaline pumping. The the goal um, that Hibs equalised with the penalty and, and the aftermath, and it was well described because I watched it back and I was like, oh, God, yeah. Um, before that, when Chris Killen made it 2-1, Craig Gordon gets the ball and Craig... Craig did this quite a lot. I remember it uh, and in several games. He'd pick the ball up and just as the player's about to try and take it off him, he'd then roll it either round his back to the right to left or left to right. Yeah. And, and just and not, So I kind of, as I was watching that and remembering what happened afterwards as well, there is the element of, uh, of uh, all goalkeepers try it when they make a play for the ball to try and delay the restart yeah. or just to annoy them. But he didn't even get an opportunity, and it's not like he moves the, like deliberately into the path of, of Dean Shields. Dean Shields is not the biggest; he's about five seven, five eight. But he he just smashes Craig Gordon, absolutely leathers him, and there's nothing. I say nothing better. You don't you don't want you don't want violence on. The <laughs> I know bench. it's terrible. We're saying but, it was wonderful, but it's... I, I know. But inside, once they go inside the net. It's like some sort of, uh, what's, it, yeah, it, it's like some sort of, of secret place 
because they're they're surrounded by this giant onion bag, and you then can't they, move they start properly, to because everyone gets their no! studs caught exactly. in it, and, and, you and that's that's when it gets great. When when they get the, their studs trapped, and it's like when you see players that are, are, they they've got to pick the ball up, and there's a couple of them. It's it's just daft. It's an end of season DVD thing. Um, but they go to pick the ball up, and they get their studs caught in the net, and they spent yeah. But a proper a proper melee, a proper stramash, a proper battle inside the net when there's not much room, that is that's peak football glory. Yeah, I remember it was St Johnston Hearts. I was commentating on it with Mark Ridgers actually, the now Inverness keeper, and it was the game where God, I think St Johnston got a red card. They ended up three one ahead though. Um Hearts had pulled it back to Oh, no, Hearts pulled it back to 3-2 in the 89th minute. And on the back of that, I think Alan Manis, the St. Johnson keeper, I don't know if he did, I think he maybe shoved Sam Nicholson or something. Sam Nicholson was trying to get the ball, who'd scored his first goal. And Ryan Stevenson took umbrage to this. So it ended with Ryan Stevenson and Alan Manis kind of head-to-head, locked in, locked in, locked in uh, amongst one another. And a big melee ensued. They both got sent off. St. Johnson had to put an outfield player in goals. It was 10 against 9 and Danny Wilson headed in an equaliser and added time. And it was chaos. It was 3-3 at the end and obviously it mattered very little. I think Hearts were still on negative points but it was one of those just chaotic, wonderful ends to a game. A proper pagger. Yeah, it's leading me into homework which has got to be your your melee memories. Some, some of the best. Melee or stramash. Either and, e- and, and, and going, f- yeah, go, going forward, I, I want a I want a tough guy World Cup because our, mm-hmm. our strip World Cup is there's there's issues with the pitch. The there's, this pitch has been unplayable for a while now. So unfortunately, our our strip heart strip World Cup is uh, is still waiting on the next round. But there has to be a hearts tough guy World Cup battle. Yeah, but for now, I think homework should be your your favourite either melee or stramash in Hearts games. So either, yeah, something while the game's being played, a complete stramash in the box. You know when it, there's about 10 shots, all get blocked, it blocked, it ricochets one way, then the other, and somehow ends up going in off the arse of some defender. Um, or a melee, just, you know, a big scrap in the box, in the net if you can. You get bonus points if it happens in the net. Um, does this does this eclipse the homework I gave earlier? Uh, oh, was that actual homework? Okay. I can't even remember what it was. But clearly, it does. Uh, yeah, what was it? it? Does somebody do okay. it far? Um, anyway, back to the. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, why we've never done two homeworks before in one okay. show, have we? That's... That's the other one. Just games that you remember in the past, the involving Hearts that would have been very different, either positively or negatively in Hearts' favour, had VAR have been available back then, and double homework because just we, <laughs> it's Christmas time. And to to keep up with the curriculum, the Hearts curriculum, um, you can't just be just having a few drinks and and just finishing work and putting the not in the office until January fifth, um, without doing twice as much homework then. So we're 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 doing the kind of if you're doing the giving, we're doing the taking. We need twice the amount of homework this week. Your first one is VAR. Your second one is best pagger in a Hearts game. Best melee with bonus points for the net. So, the match was poised for a dramatic finale. And in the 70th minute, substitute Andreas Vilicka cut the ball back from the left. It rolls across the box and sits invitingly in front of Solius Mikel Yunus, about 17 yards from goal. 
and in very Miko fashion, uh, he, he he smashes this one and it flies in the top corner. But you're never quite sure with Miko if how much um, how deliberate things were. He just kind of swings a left boot at it. But this one is one of the Miko golden moments, and it flies into the top left corner. Hips keeper can't move for it, and that ends up being the winning goal. Um, talking about the the goal hero there, so Miko was an interesting one. He was. He was at times the hero and at times the villain. You know, he he became the boo boy for a lot of Hearts fans, but he was also a very popular player with a lot of Hearts fans. Uh, 125 appearances, 12 goals, two of them against Hibs at Tynecastle. He's actually still playing. He's 35 now and still plays both club and international football. He's back in Lithuania with Zalgiris. Now has 84 caps and is the joint highest capped player for his country alongside... Another former Ed, Scottish... Ed, Ed Garris, Jankowski? No, another player who played in Scottish football, but not for Hearts. Ah, uh, Andreas Skerla. Indeed, former Dunfermline hey! defender Andreas Skerla, 84 caps each. I was a big fan of Miko at times, but... So was I. But, like what I was saying with the goal, he could be as awful as he could be brilliant at times. You kind of felt like he didn't really quite know himself how things were going to end up, and it was like with that goal... It was just instinct. It came to him, and he just swings a boot at it. It's not a, a measured place into the corner. It's one of those where Miko could also easily have hit that twenty rows up into the Gorgi stand, but it was one. I think, I think you're doing him a disservice. Mm, okay. I mean, he, Honestly, did, he had a cracker against Celtic thought... as well, to be fair. But he he blazed a few off target as well. Yeah, that, that's, that you could not have placed that shot any better. That is a wonderful, wonderful strike. It is now. Would we have been surprised had that have ended up near the back <laughs> row of the Gorgie stand? No. But that, credit where credit's due, that was a top, top strike. And I've actually got, I, I had the, the game, uh, the highlights paused earlier on the uh, the YouTube. The YouTube. <laughs> that sounds so old. The YouTube. It's like <laughs> the Ukraine. Um, the television. Um, and I've got it paused right now. <laughs> John Collins. Well, let's um, play it. Let's, his... let's play it for everyone listening. So, so okay. You, you can okay. play it just now and you can relive it and I'll play I'm, it for I'm everyone gonna, else. I'm going to do it at the same time. No goals at St. Mirren yet, but it's all happening everywhere else. On by Bednar. And Mikulunas! Salius Mikulunas makes his mark. Hearts three, hits two in an epic Edinburgh derby. So that was the Miko winner. It ended 3-2 hearts. They'd finished two places above Hibs at the end of that season, but they would miss out on Europe and Hibs would win the League Cup. But you were about to mention John Collins, uh, Mark, and this was the game which John Collins uh, would brand hearts a pub team after it. A, <laughs> a comment that would live to haunt the Hibs manager. He's got this black scarf, uh, but he's tied it the kind of the hipster way. Ah, yeah, yeah. Not just kind of round your neck, son, but he's got a circle round his neck with a scarf. I'm just jealous. I mean, good-looking fashionista, fine. We we ought to have that problem. But the Hibs deserve that defeat because the knot in John Collins' tie is far too big. <laughs> okay. That that it's, it's, that's a Kipper tie knot. That's a knot that Doug Mountjoy would have had when he was playing against Rex Williams in the snooker back in the early 80s. 
This wasn't the early. This was 2006. The knot in his tie was too big, so therefore he deserved Miko's winning goal for Hearts. So a game which had everything. Goals, sending off a marvellous melee and a fantastic winner from Saul Mikkel Yunus. If we can get something similar to that this coming Boxing Day, 13 years after, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next time. But before we go, we probably should look ahead to the next game, which is, of course, the Boxing Day game between Hearts of Midlothian and Hibernian. Um, Hearts can have a couple of players back, we hear. Um, Who is that, Laurie? Uh, Connor Washington is Ooh. due to be back. Um, we Suter? understand John Suter uh, is a possibility, I think, but I'm not sure if that's definite. And I know Stephen Naismith, as we know, is a is a maybe could make it. Um, big game. I mean, Hibs seventh, Hearts twelfth. But the fact there's ten points between the two sides is not really Hearts' main concern just now. Hearts' concern is they are languishing at the bottom, three points off of second bottom and now four points away from even getting up to 10th which of course is the place you need to be if you want to avoid even the relegation playoff um Hibs have only got one win in five themselves albeit the last two games were against Celtic and Rangers I think this is a hard one to call for me I, I don't want to analyze how we're going to start the game in terms of lineup too much because we really don't it's really hard to tell just now with them um, with obviously Daniel Stendel still in the early days and with a few players, maybes in terms of being available. But this is a massive game. This is a huge game. And it's I think it's what we need right now because, as I mentioned earlier, the atmosphere will take care of itself. The Hearts fans will be there in numbers. They'll be um, vociferous. The Hibs fans will be there in numbers. They'll be making a lot of noise as well. So the adrenaline should be pumping for both sides. So I, you feel that... Getting up for this, being able to have a good tempo and get in the faces of the opponents should not be really a problem. Echo everything. Great game for Hearts. Great game for the fans. Over to the players. Get it done. Are you confident or at least optimistic? I, yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's weird. There's, there's been a couple of wins that we've we've had, the, including Easter Road. There's no reason to think oh, prior to that game that... I'm losing you a bit there, sorry. Oh, hold on. I'm not sure. Uh, if so you said, are you confident? Yes. Yeah, just go from there. Yeah. Okay. I am, actually. I, I am. I the, I don't know why. I think we'll win. I, I, I think we'll win with, with nothing to back that up, apart from gut feeling. And that's based on, on no evidence whatsoever. I, I love the game. I, I love the whole. It's, it's going to be a bun fight, or it should be, and it's our house. It's in our stadium, in front of our fans, and their fans will make plenty of noise. But I, I, I've, I've said a couple of games this season where I thought Hearts would win, and, and and they did. And again, the the Hibs game at Easter Road, there was nothing prior to that to suggest that that I should be confident of a heart. I wasn't confident, but I just I had a feeling. I've got that feeling again. I think Hearts win this. I don't think I've got the same confidence as you, but I, I, I'm optimistic. I think I, I would say we've got just as much of a shout as Hibs do, um, which I think some people would think is maybe bizarre given where we are on the table and the form. 
But, yeah, it's such a big game, and we have seen signs of improvement. Like we said, the Aki's game could have easily gone another way. Um, I think if Washington plays, that could be huge, because we're definitely lacking someone, especially someone with legs, playing in that um, striker I don't think it's 90, though. Uh, Possibly not, but he might not need it. It might not need it. No, 100%. By the way, you know how they say form goes out the window in a derby? Yeah. Thank fuck. (laughs) Very, very true. Very true. So, I've got some optimism. I think, um, you know, we've seen... Do Hibs fans not learn? I see Hibs fans talking about starting or having a relegation party and bringing hats and things. I mean... Oh, we know how that happened and what happened the last time when they did that. I'm not not suggesting... If if Hibs won, would I be stunned? Of course not. But why would you set yourself up for a fall like that again? Come on. Just... I watched them against Rangers, Laurie, and she... I'm not sure how much better they are than Hearts. Do you know what? I don't know if this... And this is famous last words. This could be setting up to be a horrendous game, but I just have a feeling it's going to be a good game. I don't know. You just get, I get this feeling that there's going to be two sides right up for it. Maybe not the best Hearts and Hibs sides by a think, distance. I don't but... think quality is... is... I, know, I, I, don't mean, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't mean technical ability. Wise, I mean like a te- yeah, entertaining be... game in terms of... I think it's going to end up being quite open. Might be, um, might be, but I don't think there'll be much. Uh, there'll be much skill on show. Um, I, 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 some of the I, best I, games I've, got, I've seen didn't have a lot of technical ability. Yeah, no. exactly. It's just entertaining. But by the way, poor defending equals look, usually look, equals look back at four four. Four, four, yeah, four. Some of course. awful defending from both sides. I, I, I've got this feeling. I've got this feeling, and he's not a secret weapon, but he'll be a slightly unlikely hero. Um, but I think he's probably our biggest goal threat right now. Who am I thinking of? Our biggest goal threat right now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know we had a goal Craig, for it. Craig Halkett. I, I think I think this is the type of game that'll it's one of the I feel I'll feel sorry for the ball. It's one of those games. It'll just be <laughs> probably a lot of stop stuff, a lot of free kicks. Um and maybe a lot of corners, because we had a lot of Hamilton. Um and I know we had a change of corner kick taker, um Bozanic previously was pretty poor. I think Naismith took a few, didn't he not? Or someone else took a few at Hamilton? Uh, um, Hamilton, uh, Glenn Whelan had been taken. Whelan, and then Michael Smith took the one that right, okay. Bazanich scored from. Yeah. I just think um, I think this is a, a, a day where the, the, the guys are good in the air. I think, I think Craig Halkett, if I had one bet, I wouldn't bet Hearts to win, even though I have a feeling. I'd go for bigger odds. I would do Craig Halkett any time goal scorer would be my bet for the derby. There you go. Have okay. some of that. Okay. Fair enough. Do we want to look ahead to Aberdeen or is it one of these where nope. it's hard to really, it's nope, hard to care. preview it <laughs> when we don't no, know what I don't happens. care right now. Okay. No, because it, there's no point. Because <laughs> the, the game against, no, the, the game against Aberdeen and our approach to that will be totally determined by mm-hmm. the result on, 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 there's no point whatsoever. All our focus right now should be on the derby. And it, if Santa could grant me one wish, and I know he can't, um, that wish would be that I was at Tyne Castle on Thursday. I'll be I'll be jealous of everyone who's there, um, but I'll I'll be I can't wait. I, I just, if there's something about a festive derby, whether it's a New Year or a Christmas derby or or whatever that is my favourite fixture in the whole calendar. So I know we've been shite of late and our results have been poor, but I, I got some hope from part of the Celtic game and I got some hope from 
the highlights I saw from the first half at Hamilton. The first goal is crucial. I'm really worried if we lose the first goal. I don't think we win it then. But if we get it, then I think the turnaround starts after uh, this game if, if, if we win it. I think, that, I think this could be the catalyst if we get a win. I'm not looking at any other, any other outcome. Okay, so we will be back next week. We're going to be recording just before Hogmanay, so you should have a podcast available on the 31st of December, uh, Craig Gordon's birthday. Um, <laughs> His yeah. last birthday as a Celtic player uh, before yeah. he rejoined Hearts. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, so homework, uh, what your VAR, your VAR hearts moments. So some big moments from the past that would have uh, influ- would have changed uh, the course of games and maybe competitions for hearts had VAR been in existence. And your favourite melees or stramash. What's this? I feel like there should be a plural for stramash that isn't stramashes. Stramesh. Stramesh. <laughs> okay. Your favourite Stramash moments or melee moments. Um, obviously, wish you all a very Merry Christmas. I, I guess we're going to have to think of a, a festive number to play us out on, Mark. I don't know what... Your choice. Your choice. Okay. Just I, I, I'm trying to think of something actually links in nicely or I just throw a Christmas tune out there. Did we have any Hearts Christmas songs over the years? I know we had the Marshalls Chunky Chicken one and all that. But did, did any Hearts squad ever do a, a, a Christmas um, song? That's your, that's your homework. I don't know. You think it would be a take on Wham would be maybe the obvious one? Hmm. Just because there's Heart in there? Change to Hearts somehow? I don't know. This is not going to work off the cuff. Right, anyway. Um <laughs> I'll stick something in there. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll speak to you next week, hopefully after at least one victory. Would you take one one victory by the time we're talking next week? Uh, I'd take four points, because if we beat Hibs, then we'd go in with confidence to the Aberdeen. Give me four points, and I'd sign up for it now. Okay. Not right now. Okay. We'll be back Would next you? week with... I'd probably take three, to be honest. I'd take a defeat to Aberdeen if we beat Hibs. Yeah. Four would be nice. Six would be just brilliant, but four. Just, just beat Hibs. Just beat Hibs. That's it. Beat them. It's the only Christmas present. Every Hearts fan would sign up for that right now. If you could only get one thing for Christmas. Of course. And it was three points against Hibs. Where do All I sign? want for Christmas is three points. Maybe the, maybe the, Hearts, <laughs> maybe the, maybe the Hearts fans could have... That is worse than my Rodney Marsh story. Whatever. Right. Merry Christmas. See you all. <laughs>